Welcome to the Achieve Results Nutrition and Wellness Podcast, the ultimate guide to feeling and looking your best. Join me, your host, as we embark on an exciting journey to discover the power of nutrition, exercise, sleep, recovery, and mental performance. Get ready to be inspired, motivated, and uplifted as we uncover the secrets to unlocking your full potential and living your best life. Whether you're a fitness enthusiast, a wellness warrior, or just looking to improve your overall well-being, this is the podcast for you. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to elevate our performance together. I'm here today with my friend, Dr. Dwayne Jackson. Dr. Jackson, I'm grateful to have you with us today, man. I appreciate you coming on. Oh, I'm I'm thrilled to be on here, buddy. Thanks, thanks so much for inviting me on. I know we already just had a 30 minute discussion that we should have recorded, <laughs> but maybe that another one for another time. So, Dr. Jackson, just take some time here and tell us about yourself. Obviously, you have a super interesting and impressive background, just obviously in nutrition science and a lot of different things. So, I'd love just to get your background so everybody can understand what you're all about, and then we'll take it from there. All right. I've got a lot of years behind me and I haven't really stopped. So I will make this very brief. Yeah. So I'm a former medical school professor. I actually just retired last September. I was in the Department of Medical Biophysics at the University of Western Ontario. I come from a real athletic background. I started out as a pro professional motocrosser. That those kind of that took place over my formative years before university. And then at the age of 20, I had to get out of motocross because of injury. And that's how I started my journey in academia. And I've done my undergraduate degree in kinesiology. I did my master's in thermoregulatory physiology. So we studied cold and hot thermal stress and looked at heart rate variability and whatnot long before they had these things available. That's for sure. We had to create our own algorithms and use ECG to actually get the heart rate and all that kind of stuff. And then I moved on. I went to Yale University to do thermoregulatory science and look at the effect of anti-gravity in space on fluid balance and thermoregulation and those kind of things. And left Yale University, went back over to Western University and finished my PhD in neurovascular physiology, where I studied the control of skeletal muscle contraction and how the nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system, the autonomic nervous system integrate with these little tiny micro vessels, like a fifth the thickness of your hair to distribute blood flow in skeletal muscle during exercise. That was that. And then I then that then I, then I did a postdoc. And then I went off back to Western. I got recruited to I got recruited to Yale and Western. And I took the deal at Western and had a 16-year tenured faculty position there and had a big lab and all that kind of fancy stuff. And left that to do what I do now is to help people outside of the academic sector, outside of medicine, and bring the knowledge that I've developed over the years in working in these areas. And it's a lot more fruitful because I'm not stuck behind the iron curtain of medicine. That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's definitely the Cliff Notes version as well. But yeah, man, and that that experience that you have is impressive. And I've been lucky enough to have quite a few conversations and hangouts with you now. And just your knowledge and just anything about the body and and anything really that affects it is second to none. So I'm super excited to have you on here today. Like I said, your expertise is incredible. And you also do have some experience with the supplementation, no? Yes. Yeah. So I did, I did, I body built for 30 years and competed. So I didn't mention that, but uh, yeah, so I uh, did do that. And uh, I had a kidney transplant two years ago. So like the bodybuilding thing, I, I still bodybuild, but I'm only 200 pounds instead of 260 pounds now. But yeah, and I've actually formulated for some of the top supplement companies since the early 2000s, like probably 2000, 2001. So 
geez, like 20 some odd years. So yeah, so I've got a lot of experience in setting up businesses for supplements, formulating supplements that are effective and sell well. And, and I'm also big with education on different supplementation and whatnot. And you can find stuff like that on my page and podcasts I do and that, that kind of things. I'm currently formulating for HD muscle. I'm also their chief of innovation and chief of education. So incredible. Yeah. And I think that's really what I wanted to get in with you today. We could probably have a weekly and just go through, <laughs> through a bunch, a host of topics. But today I really wanted to get into supplementation because I think it is one of those things where there's so much gray area and it's a little bit of a, I'll call it wild west where people really don't understand, I think the gravity of supplementation and how it can benefit, but also how it might have a negative impact on your body. If you're not being smart about supplementation, I just wanted to start off right off the bat and just ask you if you can just explain the production process of supplements and why it's so important to like seek out and look for quality brands. Yes, it really depends on the brand, what they do for production. So most companies don't have their own manufacturing facility per se. So they have to actually outsource the manufacturing to a single company or multiple different companies that do this. And that's the, that's probably the rule more so than the exception in most cases. So when you're looking for a company, it's really important to understand their, not only their formulation strategy, like are they using good ingredients in the product? But are they actually tested products, stuff that's been third-party tested? Does the, so look for things like informed sport, informed choice, these kind of things on the labels. But also, are these companies using patented ingredients that already have a lot of science behind them so that they can make the claims that they do? And then is a dosing at the efficacious dosing for those patented ingredients? And what's nice about using patented ingredients, if the company is indeed paying for the license, is that you have to formulate using the dosing that they've shown that is effective. So that's where kind of the patented ingredient thing comes in to be a good thing in supplement brands. Brands that don't use patent ingredients, that's totally fine too, but you're left wondering where that ingredient came from because there's multiple different companies around the world that produce raw materials for these supplements. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And I think the big thing, I guess my question for you, just knowing that the majority of people that are buying supplements are general population. They don't have a, a, really an understanding of what they're taking and the dosages. So is there anything that you would recommend people look for, like along the lines of that? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you walk into a place, you don't have much knowledge of a supplement or why you would be taking it. Is there anything that you would recommend somebody kind of seek out or look for or the information they need to look up first before they even walk into the store or go online and make the purchase? Absolutely. If you can find a company that actually lists all of their ingredients on the label, not in non-proprietary form, which has become a thing now anyway, that they're not, people have caught on that the proprietary ingredients are a little bit meh. So if you can get, a, if you can get an actual product, that has got a full nutritional label listing the dosing on the label. And they're using, like I said, mostly patented ingredients within that product. There's a high likelihood that product is going to be one that's at least superior to other products that do not have the same labeling and the same ingredients. The other big thing though, if you're really concerned, so say for example, like athletes that are tested or hockey players or whatnot, even ones that aren't playing in professional leagues, they should be getting used to finding brands that have the NSF certification, as well as, like I said, informed choice certification on the labeling, because then you have at least some assurance that this product has been tested for banned substances and that what's on the label is likely what's on the label, nothing more, nothing less. 
Now, one of the caveats are to these, some of these like NSF is NSF's really just interested in making sure that you've got what's on the label in the product, but they don't really care so much that if you have stuff that shouldn't be in there, that's not on the label. Informed choice, on the other hand, cares about whether or not there's stuff that's not on the label in the product. So they actually test this stuff using skip lot testing to make sure there's no banned substances so that when you have that assurance, then you know, number one, that it doesn't have the banned substances, but more, and this is kind of like organic food, by the way, is that there's been care taken. Like they've spent, they've lost some profits having, the company has lost profits by having this testing done, which means that they're doing due diligence, which then can be correlated with a little more honesty in the products. Because like I said, they're losing money by, by having these, this testing done. It's not, it's costing them a lot. And it also, they keep it in quarantine while they're testing it. So it can't be sold. So it actually messes up inventory a lot of times too. So it's not something that people do just to put a label on there. It's a true NSF and informed, informed choice are two real entities that you can trust. And it will tell you this is a great product. Amazing. Yeah, I'm glad. You, I honestly didn't know that about the NSF or that, that they weren't looking for things that weren't on the label because as a as a former Division One university dietitian, that was always obviously both. You're looking for NSF and informed choice, but NSF was always the thing that I was told or that I understood was the, like the gold standard or whatever of testing for products. And, and you want, it's funny. It is the National Sanitation Foundation is the actual gold standard. <laughs> That's what it, it's NSF. And what's really interesting about it is the NHL required, like that is the required right. certification on the supplements. Yeah. Same with D1 Sports. Right. Too. That's right. Yeah. So we have to have that. We have to have the NSF certification if you want, if you want to be using it, these professionally tested sports. And it's really interesting because that the NSF actually doesn't really assure you that there isn't anything bad in it, but people that are going to get NSF testing and they want athletes to use their product. That's why they're getting it done. Like I said, it keeps you a little more honest because like by doing that testing, you're saying, I want pro athletes to use this. You're not going to load it up with like amphetamine or something like that. And then run a chance that the Boston Bruins are now taken out of the whole Stanley Cup. So people that are the companies that are actually driving those certifications and those testing certifications into their products are, I would say, as a, um, on average, are very interested in creating good products for their athletes, for the athletes. Perfect. All right. So for the average person. What's the difference between walking into a CVS or for our Canadian listeners, maybe a shoppers or something, and just grabbing the stuff that's on the shelves there, as opposed to seeking out a brand like an HD Muscle or the one that I like to recommend for people is Thorn, um, Thorn. companies yep. like that. Also a big peer encapsulations fan as well. But so what, in your opinion, like what should people look out for? Because a lot of times I'll recommend stuff and then oh, I'll just run over to the CVS or the dr local drugstore or whatever and grab it. Is that something you would recommend or do you have thoughts on that? Yeah. So the problem with the big conglomerate stores is they generally buy, so like big CVSs, Walgreens, Shoppers Drug Mart, yep. Canada, is a lot of them are driven by food industry partners. So you got to be into the, like, you got to be in with shoppers. You got to be in with Loblaws. You got to be in with Stop and Shop. You got to be in with these companies in the food market in order to get your stuff on the shelf. Now, every supplement company, most anyway, dream of that chance of getting your product in Costco or getting your product into shoppers. Now, the problem with these companies, Vitamin Shop's another one. The problem with these companies is that they will require massive numbers, big volumes. So these supplement companies have to be able to produce big volumes. And 
The other problem is that they have to come in at a very high discount. So what this does is this leaves the supplements that are sold in these companies to things like Jameson and these big conglomerates that are owned by Nestle and all these big companies. And it really limits, it really narrows your chances of actually finding innovation, first of all. The second problem with it is that because there are corners cut, or sorry, because there are needs to make the costs down, there's always corners cut. There always is. And the best products are, oh, you get what you pay for when you buy supplements. Okay. The products there also are likely pixie dusted with ingredients. And you, you've seen them. You've seen like the muscle tech stuff and all the stuff on the shelf, right? It's all whatever. However, there are certain things that are perfectly fine to buy from a CVS or whatnot. And that would be like vitamin D3. That would be an example of people run out of vitamin D. Don't worry about ordering AOR D3 or these. It's just D3 is D3, right? So don't be afraid. Just go out and buy D3 from one of these one of these rough stores. In terms of certain herbs and whatnot, there are some decent decent herbals that are produced by Jameson. But as a whole, I would recommend people going to an independent supplement shop where there's people there that are trained by the companies that sell their products in the store. And so the people that are there can actually give you informed decision-making on products. So a lot of the questions we're asking today, most people who are running a supplement store will actually have the answers to those questions when people walk in the door. And that's the, I would say that's where the real benefits of going to like an independent retailer or a decent supplement store, even if it's a, a franchise, but the people inside are trained on the products. And so they can actually give you informed decision-making on the different products and based on what your needs are. Perfect. I love that. Yeah. And something that just popped up in my mind there as you were talking is what's the difference between, I see a lot of like gummy vitamins and stuff like that nowadays, right? It always kills me when someone's like taking their gummies, their gummy multivitamin, right? I'm like, what really? Wait, you what have kids the... and you start eating them yourself and it just tastes so good. Man. The Flintstone vitamins. I wish I could find those somewhere from when I was a kid. Oh, I the old to, school. I'd be able to eat a whole bottle of those Flintstone bottles of candy. But yeah, man. But that's I see that now, right? Like obviously, a lot of companies are doing a lot more gummy vitamins and things like that. Is what's the quality of something like that as opposed to or even capsulated versus liquid? So what's the difference in in terms of quality on those type of products? Yeah. So the kind of gimmicky, gimmicky products. So gummies are actually the, one of the most biggest innovations in the last couple of years in terms of like sales. Yeah. And that's why you're seeing a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon. It's funny because it depends on the company that you're looking at for the gummies, right? So for example, if you have a, and it depends on the cohort that you're trying to get to take vitamins. So my daughter, for example, she's eight years old, a proper multivitamin for an adult generally is on the order of five, six capsules. And that's why when we see these one a day centrums and whatnot, we can, we know pretty quickly that they're not, they don't give you a full vitamin spectrum at good dosing because it's going to take five or six capsules of a real product that's done well. And you can't get a child to take a handful of capsules. You might be able to get them to take one if you're lucky, if you're lucky. So that's where I believe that gummies can be actually valuable in, in people's lives. Now, where the problem with the gummies is, are though, is that try and find one that actually is formulated well. And this is tough, right? And so what do we look for? What would be some flags in a gummy? Say, for example, so if you wanted to buy a gummy for your child, okay? Look so just, for products. Just to stop you, do you, so you're not recommending them for 45-year-olds? I'll get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> Even in the 45-year-old category, you'd want to look for a product that actually has, and this is the easiest way to test, if it's got folic acid in it, right? 
and it's not coming in, in the form of, L, of methylfolate or L5-methylfolate, then you're getting a non-active form vitamin that highly likely will not be absorbed by a, a major proportion of the population who have these MTFR gene problems. And that product, you'll tell very quickly whether it's a good product or not by just looking at the folate. Because that's where like it's a telltale. If they've got with L-methylfolate in there instead of folic acid, there's a high likelihood they're using patented and patented chelated minerals and using vitamins that are of active form. Okay. In the adult forms of these vitamins, they turn out to, to in my eyes, adults can swallow capsules perfectly fine. And, and unless you have some throat problem, some autonomic issue where you can't swallow properly, whatever that is, right? I always recommend using capsule encapsulated forms of vitamins. Anything that's in a liquid form other than it being like a, a vitamin D3 or sorry, an omega-3 or a vitamin D3 and MCT can tend to become oxidized very quickly and won't have as much effectiveness. The other issue too is with liquids, a lot of times you really you have to guess at what you're getting, even though it might say on the label what you're getting from so many drops. Whereas if you're using standalones like vitamin D3 or using omega-3, it's pretty, pretty obvious that what you're getting is going to be what's on the label. I would always recommend capsules for adults, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, no, I appreciate you breaking down the gummy as well, because yeah, that was something I was always a little bit curious about. I knew they weren't maybe as high a quality, but yeah, it's a good point you raise about if you wanted children to be taking them or yeah, if you did have some kind of swallowing issues or something like that, it could be a good Yeah, so they do have their place, but the problem is they honestly become candies. Like I, I like... It, and a lot, and most of them are covered in cane sugar to make them taste really good. So, because so they are a true gummy, right? They aren't, there's nothing healthy except for the vitamins in it. And I'll even I'll give my daughter her like four who you're supposed to give, and I'll dump out like six, eight, and like, mulch them back, and it's candy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right, good. I'm glad we cleared that one up because that's one I see commonly with a lot of people is their gummy vitamins. So yeah, and they'll do gummy mushrooms and gummy this and gummy that. Yeah. And again, like a lot of times, and this is actually a big point with a lot of products, is if you actually added up the mass of the vitamin material that's in the gummies, it's probably a heck of a lot less than the gummy or the collagen and the sugar and everything. So is it a gummy vitamin or is it a gummy or is it just a, you know, a gummy bear or a gummy treat that has vitamins in it? <laughs> and a lot of products that I got too, there could be 50, 60% flavoring. Yeah. And so are you taking a flavored BCA supplement or are you taking fancy drink? It's got a little bit, like got some BCAs in it. And that's a, that should be a big question for people because flavoring is what people love. But just remember when you're buying a 30 day supply of gummy bears for 60 bucks and it's questionable, the dosing and whatnot, then where's your value? Just buy some gummy bears and take the capsules because <laughs> you're going to get the same, you're going to get a better effect from the vitamins and you'll still get your gummy bears. That's a very strong point you make there. Yeah, no, I love that. And yeah, and that's, yeah, it's a good point, right? Yeah, if you add up the actual weight of everything that's in the thing, then yeah, that'll give you a good example. So that's perfect, man. I love that. So I guess next question here is to what extent do you think supplements are necessary and helpful for kind of like the everyday adult menu, going to the gym, trying to stay active, trying to stay with it? Um, maybe not necessarily like a super high level performer. Where does, what, where do supplements fit for that person? Yeah. So it's, this is actually a really good question because I'm a supplement formulator, because I've worked for supplement companies like consistently for decades, people think that I'm actually a big supplement pusher, but I'm not. In fact, I start all my clients, unless they've got some issue, if it's a gut health client or whatnot, with as little supplements as I possibly can get in them because supplements are the toolbox, right? And so just like in medicine, 
if someone has cancer, we don't throw all the cancer therapies at them in one shot. You save some stuff in your like quiver of tools so that down the road, you can add things in if needed. Supplements are the same. That's why they're called supplements, right? Diet is number one to get together. That's why I love a chronometer for its ability to give us micronutrition. It's relatively accurate, which is nice because it uses food databases. And you'll see pretty quick, and you've probably seen this too when you make diets, even the less calories that you put in the diet, the more need for supplementation comes in. And this is really, to be honest, a lot of times just in micronutrition. We generally should be able to get our macronutrition in by food. Yeah. But because if we're dealing with someone who's 120 pounds or 110 pounds, and we got them on a maintenance diet, then their caloric intake is going to be low enough that there's a chance that you won't be able to get in all of the micronutrition you need if you want to meet the protein requirements. So a lot of times then that's why a good, well-designed, formulated multivitamin is a really good thing. And, but I always start my clients out with, you know, pretty much nothing so that they can, we can see how things are going over the week in terms of what they're missing and what they need. So in a lot of cases, a lot of women will need more calcium right? Especially if they're over the ages of 40, 50 years old, you'll see pretty quickly that if they're on a 1400 calorie diet, because that's what matches their goals, that their calcium levels will need to be augmented. Right. If my clients like milk and they can tolerate milk, I'll have them just drink a glass of milk and that's actually enough to get their calcium where it needs to be for the day. There's lots of, but in a lot of cases, you'll get people that they can't tolerate milk or for whatever reason, they don't want to use milk. So now we got to use, move over to supplements if we've already got their their green vegetables up as high as we can get them and they're good with that. Okay, perfect. And just actually on, on that, do you see, because I had always heard that there was issues with, obviously it would be over supplementation of calcium, but we're going to get into over supplementation in a minute here, but that's just one of the common ones that I don't usually recommend to a lot of people is that they, obviously not high doses, you might only go with small dose of calcium, but is there any risk for people to be over supplementing on calcium? Because I know that's a huge one, like you said, especially in aging population, bone health is obviously one of those things that comes up consistently for people, especially females, right? I'd like to get your opinion on that. Oh, you could, yeah, you can over supplement calcium and be honest, calcium is a highly regulated variable by the body, like most minerals. So as long as your, as long as your kidney function is good, generally speaking, we have pretty good mineral homeostasis. Now with my, I work with my clients, I do a lot of blood work and I really want them to do blood work. So if there's someone that are menopausal, premenopausal or postmenopausal, so the perimenopausal range, a woman, obviously, I focus a lot more on calcium than say if it was a man. If it's a young woman in, in that, in a regular, regular menstruation and everything else, you tend to get enough calcium from the diet anyhow. Um, but as we push in age, yeah, it, become, it becomes a thing. But you don't want to be over cal- calcium, giving too much calcium anyway. It's just, it's not good for the body. It's, you start having problems with parathyroid and all that kind of stuff. And we end up with calcification of arteries and stuff like that. Yeah, that was always the one I was concerned about with people is just, yeah, the calcification of the arteries and stuff. So that's great to know. And so are there, do you have any standards? Like obviously you said you're not really putting people on a lot of supplements right off the bat, but are there some standard ones that you think most people could just benefit from taking on the daily? A hundred percent. And just to expand actually a little bit on what not, like what the overconsumption of uh, the supplements themselves One of the biggest problems I see with people that are really into supplements is I've got the whole counter full, like I've got a (laughs) closet full of, right? A lot of times, actually, if they're using a lot of herbals, these herbs modify enzymes in the liver. And so you actually end up seeing people that come to you. They're like, I do everything right. I'm taking this and this, and here's my diet. 
and you pull them off all the supplements and they start feeling better. And that's just because the liver is not dealing with all this shit that it has to deal with. Plus the supplements you're giving. Sup over supplementation usually exhibits itself as liver issues. Okay. In terms of the actual ones that I would recommend, that I recommend for all my clients at the very onset of their diets, omega-3, 100% every time, about three grams of combined DHA, EPA. Yep. I do prefer omega-3 that comes from marine fish, mainly because it has a very high level of DHA, or sorry, high level EPA and has a really nice level of DHA. If you're using an algae-based omega-3, you'll find that it's mostly DHA. And just, you want, you want to actually bring that EPA up. So make sure that if, if you're, you're vegan or whatever, and you're trying to source out an omega-3 that's from algae, make sure it's got a relatively high level of EPA. It's not just DHA. And that, that's the first one. The other one is generally a, a multivitamin. If, like I said, they're on a low calorie diet because they're a relatively small, but I usually put them on a multivitamin after several weeks on the diet to see where they're what they're actually doing over time right. and see where their micronutrition is. That's about it. Other than a, maybe a fiber supplement because the person can't handle too much fiber in the diet and I may give them a fiber supplement. But other than that, I really try to keep it to those. D3 is another one most people need, especially in the wintertime. In our climates, things get, we don't get so much sun and uh, that's about it to start. And then you can start plugging in other supplements. Totally. Yeah. And talking about what you get, getting what you pay for in my opinion, the omega-3 is probably one of the most important yeah. in that aspect. I think it's eye-opening and alarming. I've done some research and looked into this a little bit and the oxidation that can take place if it's not handled properly when they're sourcing it and things like that. So I, I don't know if you want to give the crowd any info on that one, but I think that's an important one for people to know is that when I'm talking <laughs> about walking into the drugstore and just grabbing something yep. off the shelf, that's probably- That's a CVS one. warning right there. Yeah, yeah yep. that's probably the one you want to be careful with, right? Yeah. So Consumer Reports actually did a, a big expose on all the top fish oil brands. One of them was Costco's uh, Kirkland Signature one. And that's the one actually I get people off of the most because it's rancid. Like it sits on the shelf in a clear bottle and right off the bat, they don't, they don't know what they're talking about. And that's those flags, right? It's like kind of that, that folic acid. You can just look at it and be like, okay, these guys are definitely cutting corners. I don't know why Costco still has a, a clear bottle. And then clear, and, and clear capsules makes no sense to me. So that's why people complain about fish burps and all these things. So if, if you're eat sushi, you'll understand quickly that tuna and salmon actually don't stink like gross fish. So your fish oil should not stink like gross fish. That's rancid. The recommendation I have is to look for products that are IFOS certified, IFOS, International Fish Oil Standards. If it's IFOS certified, it's very high scrutiny by some very smart people. Also, if you want a brand to look for, I've formulated for ATP Lab for years. ATP Lab is a pharmaceutical grade brand. They're, I don't work for them now. I get nothing from them for this, but they are a pharmaceutical brand. They're informed sports certified. Their lab is informed sports certified. Nothing in their lab can have any banned substances. And the best part is they've got a liquid omega-3 triglyceride. And what I love about the liquid is it proves that you can take a product that isn't rancid and it doesn't taste like fish at all. Now it's oil in your mouth and people are like, may have a problem with that. But just this kind of shows you that you can have a product that's, that doesn't taste like fish, that is very high in, in omega-3s, DHA and EPA, and, and it is rancid. That's a product I'd really recommend. It's great value. It's relatively cheap. And like you said, the benefits you get from taking a high quality fish oil are so great that for 40 bucks or 30 bucks a month, you're getting your best bang for your buck with that. Perfect. Yeah, good. I'm glad you covered that because that's a big one. I think it's important for people to know is that, yeah, like you said, 
not you get what you pay for with a lot of these products and that's probably the one that i try to get across to people most often that yeah you don't you just don't want to be buying those just off the shelf anywhere you want to make sure you're getting a reputable brand absolutely yeah and when it comes to other supplementations obviously like i'd like to cover the risk of over supplementation on certain nutrients like some of your trace minerals and a lot of the fat soluble vitamins and just explain to people why it's so important to look at what you're taking because Man, the biggest problem I see is that, like you said, everybody's got this cabinet full of supplements. And so, sometimes I see people and they're taking three, four supplements that are, they have similar ingredients in all of them. And the numbers, like when you're doing water soluble, you're probably okay. In most cases there, you're not going to over supplement that stuff. Your body will just get rid of it. But with this other stuff that sticks around, it can certainly cause some issues, right? So I'd love you to cover that aspect of things. Yeah. So there's, and there's a big overconsumption of a bunch of them right now. So D3, there's lots of overconsumption of that because everybody's, oh shit, COVID and it works well. So therefore take 20,000 IUs a day. Zinc is what I feel like. Zinc zinc is a huge one. And zinc, where the zinc problem comes in is that it's in a lot of sleep stuff and testosterone boosters and everything else that people are taking. So they take their multi, which gives them the 30 milligrams of zinc and they're like done. Like they don't need any more zinc for the rest of the day, right? Other than their food. And then they take their sleep supplement and it's got another 30 in it. And right. And this, this becomes toxic very and quickly. And their immune supplement, which is loaded with zinc. So loaded loaded like, with zinc. Yeah. Right. And they got a, maybe they have a cold and they're doing zinc lozenges. 100%. So zinc is one to really watch for. I like magnesium is another one that people are really taking a lot of right now, but it's self-regulating. You'll shit your pants. Yep. So we don't have to worry about that one too much. B vitamins, very water soluble. So we pee them out. We get lots of yellow pee. But again, you don't want to be like, you're pissing out your money too, right? So it's not, although they are water soluble and they're not going to kill you. But at the same time, if your B12 levels are 2,300% higher than they should be, which I see all the time because people eat a lot of meat, plus they take a B vitamin, plus they take their multivitamin, plus they're taking some neuro supplement that's got B6 and B12. You want to weigh that up because really at the end of the day, a lot of the supplements you're taking may only just be called dream sexuality. But but when you look at the label, it's really just magnesium and zinc, for example. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So looking at the labels for those really important. One of the, one of the ones that people don't consider a lot of times is the amount of sucralose they're ingesting or ACE K any artificial sweetener. Okay. This comes with like pre-workouts, intro workouts, protein shakes, all these. Take a look at how many scoops of stuff you take in a day that has sucralose in it. Yeah. Okay. And what's neat is there's a lot of influencers that say that sucralose does nothing to the guts, nothing to the brain. There's other science that says sucralose does. And what gives here? The big problem is that when sucralose was created as as an artificial sweetener, it's 2000 times sweeter than sugar or whatever it is. Um, It was like, okay, we can use very small milligram amounts and create a really nice flavored thing that's calorie free or calorie reduced. Where the problem comes in now is it's no longer just drinking a two liter bottle of diet ginger ale or diet soda in the day, but you're drinking that. Then you're having a scoop of BCAAs three times a day. Chances are your BCAAs that taste so delicious are 50% flavoring, like a very high chance. The ones that taste medicinal, EAAs and BCAAs that taste medicinal, that's because they're actually not hyper flavored. So you're actually getting the amount of BCAAs that you should be getting from the scoop. As soon as you start adding all those up, so you do a pre-workout, you do an intra-workout, you do your post-workout shake, you'll find pretty quickly that your sucralose levels are very high and artificial flavors, artificial colors for that matter. 
that's an area where I actually really focus on with a lot of my gut health clients because a lot of them are over supplementing with the workout, the peri workout period stuff. Iron, want to be very careful with iron. So a lot of people will look at their blood work and be like, oh, I'm anemic, come up with that themselves. They'll take an iron supplement. Iron's toxic if we get too much of that and it does build up in the body. So we want to be careful of that. And then over, overall potassium. This And this is one that's an interesting one for me because potassium has taken a real Kind of people have really got into it in their like electrolyte supplements. The reason why potassium doesn't need to be super mega dosed is because there's potassium in everything you eat. Yeah. Just ask anybody with kidney disease and you'll find out pretty quickly that like yeah. you can hardly eat anything because there's so yeah, much potassium. The low, in the right? potassium diet. Yeah. You're, yeah. Everything's out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's pretty much, you'll get to the point where you have to eat like cornflakes and pop tarts because there's nothing left that doesn't have any potassium. And so the problem with potassium is, so the good thing about potassium is that we piss it out when we have too much of it. As long as our kidneys are working well. Problem is a lot of people don't know if they have any kidney function issues at all. So if you're over consuming potassium and your potassium start elevating your blood work, start pulling back on it because your kidneys aren't getting rid of it as well as they should be. And that's something that can happen with kidney function that you wouldn't even know was deleterious at the time. And it doesn't just mean that every person who has malfunctioning kidneys or kidneys that aren't operating perfectly will have potassium, high potassium either. So really adding in a lot of potassium to your diet doesn't benefit you unless you're a super duper sweaty person that's sweating for three hours a day working out. Yeah, for sure. I'm always trying to help people understand the fact that like the nutritional synergy aspect and how absorption or intake of one nutrient can affect the intake of another nutrient or the absorption of one nutrient can affect the absorption of another. And a lot of times when we get into say the exact same multivitamin for the last three years, and maybe it's got that exact same nutrient profile, uh, do you, is that something that you're being mindful of with people just ha making sure that they're like the one I'll just keep harping on is zinc. Cause it's easy. It's in, it's in everything right now. And you might notice that you're taking the zinc supplement consistently, but it's got no iron and things like that. Now, is that something that we want to be aware of for people who are supplementing with multivitamins and other products and stuff, just to make sure that they're not hyperloading one mineral as opposed to another one? Yeah. So there's a lot of, a lot of these. So one is that in a, so for example, D3, so people load up on D3, but you should be actually balancing that with some K2. And that's in the most simplest sense. We talk about it basically that D3 will ubiquitously sequester itself wherever, or sorry, sequester calcium. So there's a calcium D3 interaction. It'll sequester it wherever it's just kind of ubiquitous. So it kind of spreads it all over, including your vessels. But we do want to keep a lot of our calcium in the bone compartment. Now we do want it in the blood. We want it in the vessels, we want it everywhere because it's a signaling molecule, but we don't want hyper levels like you just mentioned. K2 allows us to regulate calcium more effectively when we take it with these, but you don't want too much K2 either. So I generally recommend about 120 micrograms a day, up to maybe 300 micrograms a day-ish of K2 in balance with 5,000 to 6,000, depending on what the person needs, I use of D3. That's a good, that's a good example of one of those like trendy D3 things that we need to start making K2 trendy now. Totally. The other, the, there's a number of other, other ones too, that are really interesting. For example, absorption of any of these nutrients on the low end will occur if we're eating a lot of soluble fiber at the time when we're taking the nutrients in. And that's simply because it slows transit time. So slow of the food in your guts and basically interacts the food the food, the phytates and everything else that are in the high fiber foods interact with these minerals and vitamins so that we don't absorb them as well. So there's that also. Don't overthink it though. If you've got yourself a really nicely high balance, well-balanced diet and you're taking a multivitamin that's been formulated correctly. Um, so from a reputable company, 
there's a high chance you really don't need anything more added in on top of that anyhow. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. That's usually my thing is, yeah, take that multivitamin for call it an insurance policy, right? If your diet's missing a little bit of this here, a little bit of that there, maybe you don't digest one nutrient as well as another or something like that. But yeah, and besides that, there's not really a whole lot of need for, yeah, over supplementing. I just see so many people, yeah, taking multiples of the same thing over and over again. So I want to make sure we got that point across. Yeah, it was zinc, by the way, with zinc. Yeah. The thing that people forget the most is you want to balance it with copper. Right? And a lot exactly. of times, a lot of times you'll find products that don't have any copper in it. Yet they have think, a high dose zinc. And I don't think people even understand that copper is something that you want to have in your body. It, it doesn't <laughs> sound natural or normal. Sounds you know, like plumbing. Not, exactly. But it, that's the thing, right? Like people don't understand the relationship between the zinc and the copper and the iron and stuff like that. That's so important, right? So important. And if you don't consider it, there's a high likelihood if you have really high zinc that you're going to be balancing the copper and then you're going to have all kinds of other issues. Yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. And I know you already started to dive into that. So I'll just take a little further here and just I would like, obviously we're talking supplements today, but just speak a little bit to the importance of why people should take that food first approach instead. Because nowadays, especially with the AG1s and the green powders and all these different things, I think people are finding this as a way to get around eating good food. Um, Hey, can I just, can I just take the green drink and take this and that? And then I don't have to eat the vegetables or the fruits and stuff anymore. I'll just take my greens and I'll take my reds. So can you just speak to the importance of that synergistic effect that like actual eating whole foods has and the importance of that as opposed to supplementation? Yeah. So first of all, uh, trusting that your greens is going to cover you for vegetables is yeah, a complete fallacy. In fact, it's alfalfa grass and all these other things. So you get get chlorophyll, you get some micronutrition from it. But you're not getting any fiber, really. You're taking like 10 gram scoop or whatever of it is, but it's you're not actually getting soluble and insoluble fibers from it. Totally. Generally speaking, when we eat, say for example, like berries, right? So berries are a good example of a replacement for a greens powder. Right. When you're eating a mixture of berries, so you've got some, say, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries in there, you're getting fresh phytonutrients, like all those colors that make your tongue blue and all that kind of stuff. Those are awesome for your guts, but they're also really high quality antioxidants. And so what you're trying to achieve with this like little tiny scoop of dehydrated stuff, you're not going to get even close to the same nutritional value that you are from the the actual fruits and vegetables and, and berries and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. That The dehydration process has to kill just a ton of the nutrition in these things, no? There, there's a dehydration prog- process, but you also got to consider the fact that greens powders are sitting in these like massive 25 kilogram barrels. Yeah. And then they come from, generally come from China and these kind of places. They get shipped overseas in these buckets. Yeah. And then they re- then they reach the supplement company's place and then they do their testing for microbes, make sure there's no, no shit in there that's going to hurt anybody. And then they just dump it into containers. Like that's how it goes down. There's not some guy like in, in a place with an organic farm behind the lab bringing these things in, drying them out. And there there might be with someone in Colorado or something that I don't know about, but I know this isn't, this isn't the standard. You might be able to find someone in your area. You got a lot of hippies out there. Oh dude. It's so funny. There's like reishi mushroom chunks, like on (laughs) shelves, like, you know, 12 bucks a gram kind of thing. They've picked off a tree. But yeah, so it's funny because the greens powders, to be honest, are, they're a nice thing to throw in. I like throwing them in as, like you said, it's just some sort of insurance maybe. Yep. However, they're definitely not a re- they're definitely not a replacement for food. And it's neat because when you think of supplements, these are a concentrated source of something from the food. Yep. But food has that something in it. Yep. Has hydration, right? 
has a bunch of minerals. You have all the phytonutrients like we just talked about. And so really at the end of the day, the green, the greens is a nice thing to have in the morning when you're hydrating yourself. Totally. Yeah. Good. And Tom, you feel free to tell me if I'm thinking the wrong way here too. You think of a multivitamin and you're getting 10,000% of this, 5,000% of that, 250, 300% of the next thing. You know, it's almost like you're talking about the morning hydration. It's almost like thinking you can just take a gigantic jug of water and just dump it into your face in the morning and you're hydrated for the, you can try to soak, you can try to drink as much of that water as you're dumping that jug into your face as possible, but you're only going to get so much hydration. You're only going to be able to actually absorb so much of that water. And I feel like it's similar with these, these supplements where, yeah, sure. The numbers look good. They're hyper high levels of everything, but how much of that is your body actually going to digest and absorb and assimilate in that one shot? As opposed to, yeah, you eat good, consistent, high quality food throughout the day. There's the slowing of that digestive process. You're not getting hyper loaded numbers of any one thing and the body can really assimilate that a lot easier. And that nutrition actually has the opportunity to soak in, if you will. That's bang on. It's a hundred percent. That's exactly what I'm trying to get at with the good diet, right? Because you're basically microdosing vitamins. Yeah. Your diet microdoses vitamins to you. And the more rich your diet is, in vitamin-rich sources and mineral-rich sources, the more you'll get that kind of microdosing effect throughout your day. And that's, it's funny because back, way back, like probably 10, 10 years ago or so, when I was formulating a multivitamins, I came up with this whole thing that we have to start microdosing vitamins because that's how our food's given to us. And that's why any company you've seen that I've formulated with, they have these products that have, like I said, six caps, five caps a day. And that's simply so that you can take a single capsule or two capsules with your biggest meals. And that allows you to fortify the meal. So you're not taking it as I'm getting my vitamins. You're fortifying the meal with these vitamins so that you're assuring, like you said, with insurance that you're getting everything you need in that meal. That's such a perfect way to put it, man. Just, yeah, just like fortifying the meal. I love that. And yeah, the, like you said, not mega dosing these things, doing it on a more consistent basis is just, yeah, it's just, it literally is. You hit it right on the head, just a fortification process. Yep. Perfect. I love it. We've already covered this, but I want to ask you anyway, and I'd like you to go into any supplement you want here, like sports nutrition supplements, basic supplements, whatever. What are going to be your top recommended, like bang for your buck supplements that you think people will get the most out of their, for their money? Yeah. So it's, like I said, it's a, it mainly an omega-3, really high quality omega-3. Don't skimp out and buy something that's at a discount because it's expired or something. <laughs> Get a high quality omega-3. Yeah. I would definitely recommend a high, really good magnesium supplement. If not any other chelated magnesium, look for like magnesium bisglycinate. Yep. Excellent, uh, highly absorbable form of magnesium. And look to get about 400 milligrams a day. So 200 milligrams after your workout, 200 milligrams before bed of magnesium bisglycinate. Um, you won't have any problems with pooping your pants with that. And uh, with your omega-3, look to get at least three grams of DHA, EPA combined per day. And then, like I said, if your diet is not affording you to get enough micronutrition from berries, vegetables, and these kind of things, then, then a really high quality multivitamin, but you don't have to mega dose the multivitamin. If your diet's just missing a little bit, right? So if you're looking at your chronometer or whatever it is, however you're adjudicating your micronutrition, you can take with these products at five capsules a day, you can take one or two capsules a day. This gives you higher value for the product and also assures you that you're not going to overconsume vitamins over time. And if you start with, if you start with those and possibly a fiber supplement, again, if your diet is not affording you to get at least 28 grams as a female, 
up to 38 grams, which is usually what I usually recommend, then you may want to use a fiber supplement. And these are normal populations, people that, you know, are healthy, otherwise healthy. They don't have any diverticulitis or any issues with their gut health. And then, so if you get your fibers, your polyunsaturated fats, your omega-3 and your multivitamin to make sure that you're backing yourself up and then some magnesium and mainly just for the people that are working out, magnesium is really important because we use a lot of it up. You should be pretty good to go until you start looking at other things. Pre-workouts and all these kind of things are luxuries. If you can't afford so basically, if you're going to go buy a $60 pre-workout per month, I would highly recommend switching over to some organic foods instead. This is contrary to obviously me selling supplements, but the point is that get your diet like awesome, be smart with it first, and then start budgeting for these kind of icing on the cake, pre-workouts, post-workouts, these kind of things. Perfect. Yeah. I love that, man. That's great. Awesome. And then I know we're, we don't have a ton of time left, but I would like to talk more about the functional mushrooms. Just obviously something like talk about like things that are newer in the supplement world and they're gaining a lot of steam. And I know you've done a ton of research on them. So yeah. Can you just talk about why those functional mushrooms are so valuable and where they might fit with the person supplementation wise? hundred percent. Yeah. So I am full disclosure. I am an owner of a supplement company that makes functional mushrooms. That's our specialty called Vibe Mushrooms. And yeah. And Th- thanks, man. If you haven't, yeah. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. And it's funny because so mushroom mushrooms are neat because well, mushrooms. So we're not talking about magic mushrooms. There's a lot of that out here at West, but we're talking about ones that are actually like legal for people to take. There's no psychedelic effects. What's really neat about functional mushrooms is that they are in traditional Chinese medicine, Japanese medicine. They're actually a medicine and they're prescribed and they're prescribed as adjunctive therapies to cancers and all these different things. So I got really interested in the functional mushroom space probably a decade ago and started looking into it. And what I love about functional mushrooms is that they actually have a lot of science behind them as immunosupporting, as immunosupporting supplement. They got lots of science behind them as performance enhancing supplements, adaptogenic to help you handle stress. There's all these different great aspects. And now we also know what the compounds are that give us those effects. So the functional mushroom space is a really neat one because everybody can benefit from supplementation with mushrooms. Now, even with mushrooms, I don't tell everybody to take them. And that's mainly just because well, they're a supplement and they're expensive. Yeah. But if you've got your diet in check and you want to add something to really fortify your day, I would definitely recommend any sort of functional mushroom, depending on what you're looking for. Lion's Mane is a big one. We sold out like fast. We're almost sold out right now. I think we found a couple extra packs to sell. But <laughs> Lion's, Lion's Mane is an excellent product for people that are looking for increased focus, increased mental stamina, mental performance, excellent stuff. In Vibe Mushrooms, we've actually concentrated the arenosines and the beta-glucans in order to support that. And if people are looking for increased cognitive stuff, Lion's Mane, Absolutely. Those that are on the stressed end of the scale and looking for stress relief, red reishi is an excellent mushroom for that. And now vibe mushrooms, what we did was concentrate the ganoderic acids, the beta-glucans and different polyphenols. And those are the kind of medicinal compounds in that product. The reason why I'm mentioning these different ingredients is that most companies actually don't test for them and they don't work to try to concentrate them. So what we did, vibe is different, is because functional mushrooms are medicine, We took the traditional Chinese and pharmacopoeia 
and used it to actually guide the extraction process so that our products can be actually called pharmaceutical grade. So these would be just what they used in the, the Chinese clinics and whatnot, or the Japanese clinics for cancer adjuv adjuvants or for people that are stressed out or for people that are lacking energy. And so the functional mushroom space is a really cool one because it takes a completely different angle in supplementation. Yep. Not supplementing anything like vitamins, minerals, or anything that we already have. These are things that actually are only coming from fungi. Right. So awesome space right now. It's gaining a lot of headway because people are starting to become more concerned with their internal health. Yep. And uh, yeah, I would recommend functional mushrooms to pretty much anyone that's looking to improve their cognitive or their internal kind of stress responses, immune responses, these things. Yeah, that's amazing. They are improving, like you said, that the, your daily function, right? Which is cool because, and not that other supplements aren't, right? If you're deficient in vitamins and minerals, your daily function is going to be diminished as well. But like you said, I think this is another way where you can't, you can't get that from food, right? So you, this is a really cool way to enhance your daily function with taking something that you wouldn't necessarily be able to find anywhere else. Um, Except for from fu fungi. And it's really right. cool because, and so what we did just to kind of give people an idea of what extracts are, our extracts range from eight to one to 15 to one concentrations. And the idea behind that is that when you take, say a teaspoon of it, or let's say a gram, it's just half a teaspoon. So every time you take a gram of mushrooms, depending on which one it is in the vibe lineup, you're getting somewhere between eight grams and 15 grams of whole mushroom. So for people that don't like to eat mushrooms, you don't want to eat butt mushrooms or they don't want to eat any sort of mushroom in general, fungi, it's a great way to get fungus into your diet, which will improve your gut health as well as your brain health and your immunity and everything else. Totally. Yeah. I'm one of those guys. I'm all, like, if it's good for me, I'll eat it, but I draw the line of mushrooms. I despise, <laughs> I despise them. I don't know what it is, man. Like any, I just, I don't even like the smell. My wife likes them and she'll cook them. And when I smell them, I'm just like, oh, it makes, it just gets me. Yeah, so, yeah, so you'd be a perfect candidate. Exactly. Yeah. But people who love mushrooms, like you can, like we have chanterelles out here and like, you can like, we have all of them, we have lion's mane and everything. You can just consume them in abundance. But you'd be consuming, like I said, like grams and grams of them throughout right. the day in order to get the same thing you get from a half teaspoon. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it, right? Similar to a, a creatine or like a fish oil or whatever, right? No one's going to sit down and eat five pounds of wild caught right. salmon a day or something like that, right? But yeah, man, that's perfect. I appreciate you being on. I think we're running out of time now. I don't want to keep you all day, <laughs> but I appreciate your expertise. And I think Next thing I got to get you back on here for, and I feel like we could do a whole nother hour on fiber. I know you and, and 100%. yeah, man, so we'll get you signed back up if you will. But I just wanted to say thank you. I appreciate you being on. Just let everybody know where they can find you. Obviously you got your hands in a lot of different stuff. So any, anywhere you want to let people know where they can grab Vibe Mushrooms or find you online or work with you, any of that stuff, just to let everybody know. Thanks, man. And by the way, I really appreciate you having me on. I love, I always love having conversations with you. So anytime we'll talk fiber for sure. Yeah, it's got sure. its benefits and caveats too. I'm actually dealing with a couple of clients that I got them over fibered right now. So how to handle that. But yeah, you can find me. So my main social channel is on Instagram. It's at DRDN Jackson. You can find my website, www.drdwaynejackson.com. And you can find me on the other social channels too at DRDN Jackson. But Instagram is where if you want to reach out to me, go ahead. If you're looking to work with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram and we'll line something up to get you in the roster. Beautiful. I appreciate it, man. And I can, I can back you. I'm working with you right now. I'm taking the nutrition course with you. I'm learning a ton. And obviously we have some people in common that I've worked with and that you're now working with. And yeah, it, the way you're able to help people is pretty impressive. Like I said, I just appreciate you 
being on and I appreciate you giving your knowledge to everybody today and your time. So thank you. Thanks, Adam. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. See ya. Please note that this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The information shared on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be used as a replacement for the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider. Additionally, the opinions and strategies discussed on this podcast are those of the guests and host and do not necessarily represent the views or endorsement of the podcast or its creators. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.